0: Dr. Jason Lancaster.
1: I can't believe what we're going to study today. It's it's going to be a very significant, it's one of those changed lives passages. And I want to start off this morning with one of my favorite authors. His name is Paul Miller. He wrote a book uh, on Ruth called The Loving Life. I'm going to put the image of that book up. And in his book, he talks about loving without an exit strategy. Loving without an exit strategy. So if you're having a hard time loving someone right now and enduring with them, this idea of loving without an exit strategy may be helpful for you. Miller says that this kind of love is really difficult and yet important because you bind yourself to the object of your love no matter what the response is. So if the person you're trying to love snaps at you, you endure. If the person you're trying to love doesn't want to listen to you, or you're arguing with them, or you feel slighted by them, you don't retaliate through silence. You don't withhold your affection. Your response to the other person is entirely independent of how that person is treating you. It's, it's one of this stubborn kind of loves. Love like this eliminates moodiness. Any moody people in here? I see you. Love like this eliminates touchiness, where you're set off. This is love without an exit strategy. And let's just be honest: love like this is not fair. It's unbalanced. It's uneven. It sounds a lot like Jesus' love for us and his love for us all the way to the cross and by his grace is to be our love for one another. And I I wanna love like this. I wanna love without an exit strategy. And we're gonna see that kind of love today in the book of Ruth. And we're gonna see that kind of love in the context of what we will call Ruth's conversion. I mean, the language is not used there. But it's, it's definitely Ruth's conversion story. She exhibits a radical faith, and we're going to get into all that. Not only does she exhibit a radical faith, but we know because of the larger context of the book and the Bible that behind Ruth's radical faith is a radical call of God on her life. God is stirring her up. God is initiating coming after her, this radical call on her life, she responds with radical faith. And what happens? She has this radical love, this love without an exit strategy at all. So this is where we're going to be, radical call, radical faith, radical love. And we're going to get to this point where we're loving without an exit strategy. All right, you ready? That's where we're going. Let's go ahead and jump in. And start in Ruth chapter 1, verse 6. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the land of Moab. For she had heard in the land of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and giving them food. So she departed from the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. Chances are there's about 50 people in here that weren't here last week. Now You're here visiting. You're here for a variety of reasons. I want to give you a recap. Here's the deal. There's this woman named Naomi. All right, She was in Israel, Bethlehem. She was married. A famine was happening in the land. Her husband thought it would be a great idea to go and live among the pagans rather than the house of food. They depart with their two boys in the land of Moab. Bad decision, disobedience. While they were there, her husband died. Her two boys marry two Moabite women, which you're not supposed to do. That's bad. Don't marry the pagan women, even in Israel. The two boys end up dying. And now Naomi is left with two Moabitess daughters-in-law, and she hears that there is food once again in Bethlehem. So it's her compelling nature to want to go back to her land where there is food since she has now lost everything. So she starts to go back to Bethlehem and her two daughters-in-law, Moabite women, no obligation to her at all, they start to follow her back to her land. They leave their land to go live with their mother-in-law in her land. On the appearance of things, it looks like it is love without an exit strategy, all right? Let's keep going. Look at verse eight. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. May the Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. There's all types of crying going on. The scene is filled with pain and tears. But Naomi, she understands what's best for her daughters-in-law. And she's like, you know what? There is nothing that you're going to get with me. All right, so go back to your land. I want you to get some good Moabite husbands, and you settle down and have kids. But look what they say to her. Verse 10, verse 10. And they said to her, Ah, ah, uh-uh, uh, uh-uh, no, 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 but we will surely return with you to your people. Naomi hears this. She takes off the boxing gloves and she's going to punch them in the face. Look what she says. Verse 11. But Naomi said, Return, my daughters. Why should you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Return, my daughters, for I am too old to have a husband. If I said I have hope, if I should even have a husband tonight and also bear sons, would you therefore wait until they were grown? Gross, no. Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is harder for me than for you, for the hand of the Lord has gone forth against me. Naomi's like, are you crazy? Do not come back with me. I have nothing for you. If I get married tonight and have a baby, are you going to wait till it grows up and then you're going to... No! doesn't work like that. Go back to to your land, find some good boys, settle down and have kids. I'm going to my land. See you later. Now, basically what Naomi is saying is this. I have nothing to offer you except a little bit of suffering, if you want some of that. This is what Naomi is saying. Think of it this way. Would you rather have ice cream in a bowl or just a bowl? Filled with tacks and nails and glass. That's what Naomi is saying. It's Naomi's ice cream shop. She's saying, if you went to go get some gas. And instead of the, the station pumping gas, it's, it's pumping dirty lake water. That's Naomi's gas station. Because what she's doing, saying, not only do I have nothing to offer you, but I have nothing plus suffering. Do not come with me. It makes sense. Go back to your land. The choice is very clear, right? It's very, very clear. Verse 14. And they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. All right. So Naomi was persuasive enough to send Orpah packing because Orpah's like, "Uh, widowhood and childlessness with Naomi or marriage and children staying in Moab. Orpah's like, nothing plus suffering with Naomi or happiness and prosperity in Moab. And so for Orpah, it just makes sense. I got to go back. But do you notice what it says there at the end of verse 14? It said, Ruth, clung to her this is Ruth she's not saying you know I'm gonna go a little bit further with you and just see how things go and if I don't like it I'm gonna come back no 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 this is Ruth committing herself to Naomi no matter what this is indeed love without an exit strategy Just in case you don't get it, I think it's very important for us to just kind of just pause for a moment and consider Orpah, and then also consider Ruth, and and let's let's almost act as if these two decisions, how would you counsel these two women? Well, look at verse 15, and we'll explore these two different choices. Let's start with Orpah in verse 15, all right? Then she said, behold, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods return after your sister-in-law let's all admit that naomi is a terrible evangelist she's trying to persuade ruth to return not only to her people but her gods. to be like going out doing evangelism and saying have you considered the local mosque or temple go back to your gods see naomi believes that orpah has set the wise standard for ruth to follow and Orpah makes the natural decision to go back to her people and her guys. So if Orpah was uh, in to see a counselor, a counselor would tell Orpah, you're making a really good decision. You're going back to that which is culturally and socially and religiously uh, familiar to you and appropriate to you. Good job. You're making a really wise decision. It's a normal decision that most people would make. And it makes sense. All right. So what about Ruth? Let's say she went in to see a counselor and a counselor says, all right, Ruth, you got two options here. Here's the deal. You can go back to Moab. You can go back to the people you're comfortable with. You can go back to your old gods and hopefully you get married and have babies and be happy. Or you can cling to your cranky mother-in-law she is very cranky, as we can tell in chapter 1. You can live in a foreign country. You can associate with strange people. And by the way, the Israelites are our enemies. And you can follow the Lord, who doesn't seem to have a very good track record because your mother-in-law keeps talking about how much he wrecked her life. Can you imagine? Ruth? That's what's going on in Ruth. That's, that's what she has to weigh. So if we're just sitting here, just pretend like you don't know the rest of the Bible. If we're just sitting here, it. Does it make sense for Ruth to follow in the direction of Mary? That just does not make sense. Why would she do that? Verse 16. Look at verse 16. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. That right there is a statement of radical faith. You want to see what faith looks like in the Old Testament? Right there. Radical faith. And I would say behind Ruth's radical faith is a radical call of God. Because what we got going on here, as you think about the New Testament, remember Lydia, how God opened her heart to believe? It seems like right here, God is opening up the heart of Ruth to believe. Because this is part of God's plan. And I just want to tip you off. I want to tip you off that God is eventually going to work through her in such a way that Ruth is going to have descendants in the line of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Because behind this radical faith of Ruth is the radical call of God. And and I believe the same is the case for believers. It is radical for us to believe in Jesus. And if God was not behind this radical faith of ours by calling us, we would never be awakened. And this call that we have is a summons from God. I want to share with you Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. This is the New Testament equivalent here. But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. (laughs) What can dead people do Nothing. We need to be made alive by God's supernatural call. And we were dead in our sins and we heard the gospel. And against all worldly wisdom, we responded with the gift of radical faith. And so when people are converted, whether it's Ruth, whether it's you, it is a supernatural work of God. So let's look at the, outcoming, the outpouring of this radical faith. Now, what we're about to read are verses often used in weddings. And many of you have used these verses in your wedding, which is totally fine and appropriate, just tipping you off. This is a mother-in-law talking with her daughter-in-law here, okay? That's the context. Verse 16. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. So wherever Naomi goes throughout the rest of her life, Ruth will be right there by her side. Continue in verse 16. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. This is is a stark contrast to to Orpah's decision. Orpah went back to Moab and to her God, Chamesh, but Ruth switches her roots from the people of Moab to the people of God in Israel. And this is not like this national uh, commitment, but it's also this new religious affection. Lo, no longer will Ruth pursue the gods of Moab, but she now claims the Lord her God. Ruth's commitment to the God of Israel is now complete and total. And I think it's very important for us to pause and consider, and I don't know if you've thought about this before, but your faith in Jesus Christ is radical. It really is. If you have ever read the New Testament and the call that Jesus is placing upon us, it is like significant. Significant. I mean, you just saw what Ruth did and you think, well, that seems like kind of crazy that she did that. If you're a follower of Jesus, that's the same for you. I want to just give you. These are Jesus' words. These are not my words. So what you're about to read on the screen are the words of Jesus. If we could put them in red, we would. Luke 14, 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Not my words, Jesus. He is making a rhetorical argument that if you want to follow him there must be no greater loves in your life than for him. That's radical. Well maybe that was just an isolated statement of his, right? But how about this one? Matthew 10:37. Matthew 10:37. Jesus' words. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy me. If your children, or for those of you, if your parents, if they chastise you for following Christ, you need to decide who you're going to follow. Are you gonna follow Jesus or the approval of man? There is no greater reward now or in eternity than following Jesus. And this concept of loving more and, and hating has the idea that Jesus is preeminent in your heart and your mind. You set nothing over him, not your dad, not your mom, not your kids. It's Christ. And one last word from Jesus Matthew 19 29. And everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or children, or farms for my name's sake will receive many times as much and will inherit eternal life. My brothers and sisters, if you believe in Jesus, it is not a tame and domesticated faith. It is a radical faith that says, I will abandon all. Jesus, I'm all in with you. I don't care what happens. You're the only one that has life. You're the only one that offers forgiveness. I'm all in no matter what happens. That is radical. It's not tame It's not domesticated. It's all in, all out for Christ. Well, Ruth's commitment extended all the way to death. Look at verse 17. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. You see, Ruth wasn't going to just wait around for Naomi to die, and then she was going to move back to Moab and continue on with life as normal, she's going to die wherever Naomi dies. And when Ruth dies, there's going to be no shipping her body back to Moab for burial because she wants to be buried in Bethlehem and her faithfulness extends all the way down to death and she is so serious about her commitment that she pronounces a curse upon herself if anything but death separates the two. And then verse 18, when she saw that she was determined to go with her. She said no more to her. (laughs) Naomi could see that Ruth was determined to go with her, so she stopped trying to talk her out of it. (laughs) Ruth had this radical, total, and complete commitment, just like the followers of Christ. There'd be no turning back. There'd be no exit strategy. And I'm telling you, when God puts this radical call and summons you in your life, it expresses itself in a radical faith. You see your sin, you know that you need a Savior. And I would say to everyone in here, like if you're kind of trying to decide about following Christ or you've been on the fence for a really long time, I just want to tell you, it's time for your indecisiveness to end. You're either going to go back to Moab for good or you're going to move forward in following Jesus. Jesus. One of the things that I have learned living in this context among you and those in the village is that things can turn so quickly. I could be talking to someone and they are healthy one week. I mean, they are healthy. And the next week, they're gone. Like, gone. They've passed on. They're dead. Have you noticed that? Like, things can turn... Boom, you have health and then it's gone. And so you may be thinking, I got got some time now. I can think through these things. I can process what's going on in my life. Jesus, I'm not so sure. I'm just going to do my own thing. And boom, just like that, just things turn. There is no time like the present for everyone on the earth, of course, but I would say, especially, especially for you. Time is short. Think about what you're doing in your relationship with God. Do you believe what you're reading? Do you believe in Christ? Do you believe that you need a Savior? Do you believe that, this is going to happen to all of us, that you're going to die, one day you're going to stand before God? And what are you going to do? Go in there and say, God, I've been such a good person. That's impossible. Jesus Christ has placed a call. Here's, here's the call right now. Anyone in here, anyone, I don't care who you are, no matter what you've done, You can put your faith in Jesus right now and be forgiven. There is grace for you. You can get in on this. But this indecisiveness, this waffling back and forth has got to end. You're either going to be in or you're going to be out. And time is short. Things change so quickly. And the call is put your faith in Jesus Christ and be forgiven and live with him forever. That's the call. Will you respond with radical faith? And if you notice, this call to follow Christ extends on into eternity. And if you hear this radical call of God expressing itself in radical faith, it's also going to show itself and demonstrate itself in fruit. And that fruit is a radical love. And this is the part that's difficult. This is the part that I struggle with, you struggle with. It's this concept of love without an exit strategy. It's like, okay, I'm a believer now in Jesus. I love Jesus. I'm not going anywhere. But also this love without an exit strategy with Christ expresses itself to others. And so I ask you the most uncomfortable question that you don't want to hear today. I'm going to ask you anyway. Who do you need to keep loving without an exit strategy? Who is it? Do you have someone in mind that you may find difficult to love as the years go by and yet you need to love them without an exit strategy? As I mentioned earlier, Paul Miller's book, A Loving Life, and I'm gonna gonna tell you a story and it's gonna be one of those extreme stories and you may not be in that kind of situation, but I wanna tell you this extreme story about loving without an exit strategy. It's about a guy, his name is Peter, married to his wife for about 20 years. They live up in the Midwest. And as they've been married for for 20 years, his wife had a breakdown and she fell into mild schizophrenia. And not too long after that, she got an inheritance and she left Peter. She left her husband and she moved out of the state. She moved up to Michigan. And every six weeks, Peter gets in the car and he drives up To see her he he goes up there to help her fix up her house and he just stays there and she says to him look i don't consider us married and she's even hinted at an affair and he's been told and counseled biblically speaking that he doesn't have to stay married to her because she abandoned him and she probably has had an affair and so he's been counseled hey you don't have to stay married and and peter always says you know When I said, for better or for worse, that included mental illness. That included meanness. I've got to play out the hand that the Lord has given me. And you might not be up against something that extreme, but who do you need to keep loving without an exit strategy? God sees what's going on, he sees the difficulty, he sees one day upon the next, upon the next, and the difficulties you're facing. But he wants you to continue to see that his love for you and sinning Jesus Christ is love without an exit strategy. God, through Christ, is not going to abandon you. And by the power of the Holy Spirit and by his grace, we can continue to love difficult and challenging and hurting people without an exit strategy. Because God has loved me and you, and we are difficult, and we are challenging, and we are hurting. And He's loved us all the way. And by His grace, we can do the same.
0: We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way guided by God's Word.